Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in, everybody, and Happy New Year to another episode of Back to You. It is our 11th episode. Guys, 11. I, it's like it has flown by, but Happy New Year to you both. Good to see you guys in this new 2024 year, which I'm very excited about. I think good things are coming for all of us. I agree with you, KT. This has been a lot of fun. 11 episodes already. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we're... Uh, we're having fun. We're, we've got great guests. I mean, and, and I think, I think what I get from people when they, when they listen to it is that they've enjoyed it because it's, it's not just, you know, one dimensional. We're not a one trick pony. We've got a lot of great guests out here. We've had, uh, you know, different sports. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm learning a little bit more about different sports and, and uh, learning from, from Niner over there are, are obviously our, our betting guru guy that he's wrong on every bet so far, but I've learned from the <laughs> Niner. I'm really, oh, you know, uh, that's why I mean, we need to refocus on DraftKings or FanDuel or what. <laughs> we got yeah. yes, to Well, Panger, it's funny that you mentioned that happy new year to you both as well, but uh, I was actually listening to the winter classic on TNT and mm -hmm. uh, thank God for in-game and live betting because oh, yeah. first intermission, I listened to Mr. Uh, Wayne Gretzky 99 there saying that the ice was a little slow. Some plays may not be, you know, not too many scoring chances, a lot of dump so and chase. You, so you went under? Pounded the under live. Thank you, Mr. Wayne Gretzky, for that uh, tidbit. <laughs> it's but, funny uh, that he said that, though, because I was at ice level, and uh, I was in the corner. Bush, uh, Brian Boucher was between the benches. Um, Edzo and, and Kenny were up, upstairs in, in their nice, warm, comfy uh, booth up there, <laughs> although it was a beautiful day in Seattle. It was phenomenal. Uh, great weather. Actually, perfect weather for a yeah, winter classic. It looked like and, But, man, I got to tell you, I thought the ice was unbelievable. You know, yeah. like really, really good. And I didn't see one guy complain. I, usually I look at the goalies because I'm right on the goal line, and, and I'm watching to see as they go side to side, usually because these goalies now do this big C cut. Like when they go down on the reverse VH, they wear down and it's almost a half moon on one side. And I was looking going, man, this is outstanding. Like the NHL did a phenomenal job. So, yeah. you know, Wayne saw that because he, there was a couple of times late in the period where the puck around the boards, especially just never laid flat and guys had a hard time handling. But overall, I would say the ice was just impeccable. And, 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 and Seattle, the Kraken, they came into this game they needed it. I think when you host a winter classic, it's a big event. It's a marquee event for not only the NHL, but also it puts pressure on the team. How are you going to respond when the pressure's on? And I thought they did an unbelievable job of shutting down Vegas, who's really banged up and they couldn't get much going on, but really a really great game. So yeah, great way to start the new year, to be honest with you guys. And yes. uh, um, a nice uh, new year's dinner there with the fine folks at, at TNT and then, and then uh, a 12 o'clock local start. So it was, it was really fantastic. And just another great addition of the winter classic for sure. And, and, then, and then the day, then the day got even better as Michigan ended up winning a thriller against Alabama. <laughs> so 
It was, was, was all around amazing day. It was a is that my Heisman day. Trophy winner from the from episode one? Was that not my Heisman Trophy winner? Like the pressure's on, wins. They're going to the big dance, and anyway, anyway, that's <laughs> well. Uh, I'm excited for the next uh, couple episodes. We've got a really fun guest coming up today. The play-by-play voice of the UFC, John Anik. I'm excited to talk to him mm-hmm. um, again. Panger, to your point about learning something new about different sports. I mean, we yeah. learned so much um, about music so far this season and about, you know, what Dylan does on the today show. And I don't know much about the UFC. I know Craig, it's a humongous part of your life professionally and personally, but I'm excited to find out, you know, from John, how he got into it. And, um, you know, he's obviously a superstar in the space. So that'll be fun. We'll have him coming up in just a few moments, but I wanted to ask you guys, if you have any new year's resolutions or maybe some um, things you're going to do for yourself this calendar year that maybe you didn't do yet last year or focus on. Niner, Panger. You know what Niner's going to do? Niner, Niner's going to True Spec in Arizona, <laughs> and he's getting his Mura clubs, the Irons, probably the three o. What do you get? What do you get? Maybe the three o twos. And you're gonna. That's what you're gonna do. And you're gonna hit those irons just flush. And, and I'm and right on the numbers. At the end of the month, I have my Mura fitting, which I'm super excited about. I've never been fitted for golf clubs in my life. I'm just going to go down there and swing and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be a scratch golfer by it. mid-season. That's, you're, you're, it's, I it's tell you what. change your game. It's going to change your game. I know. Ever, it ever is. I don't, I've, you know, I've always just kind of done a feel thing and I buy clubs that I feel like suit my game or somebody tells me they suit yeah. my game, but this will be a really great learning experience and hopefully it'll improve my golf scores. You, you know, KT, cause there's so many times where, anything off off the rack is and it's fine and there's a lot of obviously there's great manufacturers and great clubs but when you get fitted um and and all of a sudden you find out that maybe your club should be more upright maybe they should be flatter like a lot of hockey players and niner will will attest to this a lot of hockey players hold their hands a little lower so that means you're you're going to have a little bit more of a flat like i'm two degrees flat so instead of it being like that an upright for maybe a taller guy that with a steeper swing I'm more hands down and shorter and flatter with my swing. So if I've got upright clubs, the heel digs in and everything goes left. And when they're perfect, and so for me, it's two degrees flat, you can feel it. And when you start hitting balls, you're like, okay. And now I, now you're yeah. seeing it because the, the divot's perfect. And, and instead of your heel digging in or maybe your toe digging in, like that, there's a world of difference. And then with your mm-hmm. shaft, uh, for sure, there's there's big differences. And, and Niner, you, you've been to a true spec to get yours fitted, and I saw some video of it, and that ball's just launching off there. Huh? Straight as an arrow, too. I'm like, Is that oh. your New Year's resolution? Take well, more money new- from Chuck? It's, <laughs> it's funny you say that because my New Year's resolution started out perfect. As you recall on our episode, we had that bet that Charles wanted to make on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. God knows why, but he thinks he can beat me four out of ten. Uh, head to head, no shots. And we are one match in and he is down one to zero. <laughs> I nice. Had, I had him closed out on probably hole 15. Drove not bragging or anything. Right. Yeah. No, but I don't know what he was thinking, but my new year's is off to a great start. On the there you course. go. So but that, do you remember well. KT? Do you remember KT that he was, Chuck was saying he first, he went, we'll play straight up. And yep. then as the episode was ending, He's like, you're not giving me any shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so you, Niner. What I found is you are a tough negotiator. You're relentless, like you're a dog on oh. a bone. 
it's funny because during COVID, I was giving him four aside. Now here we are, zero shots. So, so how's he playing right now, Niner? Is he? He, uh, he actually he actually well? played well. He played very well. Um, he's hitting the ball great. He's playing a cut. Don't ask me how that happened, but he's playing a nice cut. <laughs> and um, you know, the only problems he really got in is when he was in the sand trap, and uh, that pretty much eliminated him from a few holes. But uh, okay, he uh, he made a couple of huge putts to uh, to push a couple holes and. Uh, it was a good match. We had a great time. Our great friend Andy Barraway at Scottsdale National hosted us, and uh, we had a good time out there. And match one is in the books. Now let's see what happens uh, the rest of the year. Andrew's got all that cash. Are you taking any from him? <coughs> Excuse me. Guys. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't play. He doesn't play as high uh, stakes as, as Charles likes to play. But uh, we have a good mm-hmm. time, and um, and actually um, things uh, things are going re- really well for for him and, and Charles. Actually. Um, you know, he, he couldn't believe. Sorry, guys. He, he couldn't believe how much that um, he was hitting the ball with distance and, and mm. like his games come a long way. So, but as far as New Year resolutions go, I'd like to. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any? Yeah. You know, uh, I spend a lot of time watching yourself and Catherine on, on the telecast football games, college basketball, NHL. I got to quit swearing at my TV. My neighbors must think I'm crazy. And, mm. uh, you know, mm. I'm just looking at the TV and, and, uh, you're too intense. I, I think I Is get it because... up in the moment and, and yeah. the text, the text chain's going, we may have a better two going, but you know, I, I gotta, I gotta start taking it a little easier on the officiate. You but, know, uh, I, remember we talked about this Niner? Yeah. The stress, and that's what's happening. Is this the the everybody's pounding on the officials? It's only because they're they're losing money. They they're you know they they they've yeah. got bets going all over the place, and you know maybe let maybe maybe that's a good idea for you. Lay low on the TV. The TV's not going to change. Just relax and enjoy the show. And maybe what I what I what I, I maybe just bet on the coin toss. See if you bet just on the coin toss, heads or tails, then it's fifty fifty, and then you're done. Now you don't have to worry about it, you know. Like, right, KT? If you if Did you just you bet on the coin toss, then you, you you're you're done. Now you can go and enjoy the game, relax and enjoy it. It's like, why is everyone in every sport across the board, and in particular the NFL, they are on these referees. They're on the because they're stressed out about their betting. That's why. I, it's it's more than ever, and you know, I mean, say what you will, like they're not intentionally trying you know, to make no. bad calls. These are just, this is, this is a, they're all fast games and I'm talking across the board in sports. It just seems like mm-hmm. everyone's complaining so much more about these. Well, the, the what, what, what is, what is that coincided with over the last two, three years Correct. though? But there's all a big the problem with that though. Then all, all the apps. You, you can't tell me that Vegas isn't making a few phone calls through the duration of the season because every day, every morning on, on Twitter or whatever it is, there's articles about, who does Vegas need to win tonight? Mm. Who does Vegas need to win? Who's the most bet team? And you know when the most bet team for the general public is X, you know Vegas needs Y. And guess what a good gambler does? He goes with Y because Vegas is going to win. And, I mean, what do you make of the Dallas-Detroit game? That that So much money changed hands off of that didn't report or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I have a few questions. And our guest, John Anik, you know, him and his twin brother, Jason Anik, they mm-hmm. have a uh, Anik Squared gambling uh, NFL show that they do every week. And immediately our text thread was starting to go, okay, we're looking at the official. 
why was the official in such a hurry to run away from the linemen as they're trying to report? Why don't you make sure you stay there, get it straight, but he was in such a hurry to go tell the defense, mm. okay, this is the number that reported so they can make the announcement. The other thing is we're, we're all in TV. We know what officials are mic'd up. We know what players are mic'd up. You can't tell me that that TV truck doesn't have the audio of the players talking to that official who was mic'd up. And you can't tell me that the NFL didn't hurry up and make a phone call to say do not release that, that audio because that audio would have proved something and we're not going to you know, be privy enough to, to listen right. to it because I'm sure a phone call was made. But we know that TV truck has that audio. So I don't know what to make of it. What do they do with all that audio? I've always wondered that. We always have players mic'd and refs yeah. are mic'd. And where does it go? In on KT? No, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they use it on social media. They'll repurpose it yeah. or they'll, they'll do like some fun clips here and there and, and promote it on, you know, whether it's the NFL feed or yeah. NBC Sports or the NHL or wherever they're using that sound. Um, so they'll repurpose it. And a lot of it's just cutting room floor. I mean, think about it. You're at ice level. We're, I'm, on, I'm on the sidelines of football. Like, yeah. A lot of these guys, they're not saying much. So it's not that all of it is capturable no. and, you know. They're saying less now. To pump out to the fans. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'll go to – also, like, we're always taught in television, you always have a hot mic. Even if you're in a commercial yeah. break, even if you're in a rehearsal an hour before the game, if your microphone's on, it's hot. So always yeah. be careful what you say. And, um, yeah, but but anyway. Um, Penger, did you have any New Year's resolutions you wanted to share with us? None. None. You know, I, I you know, uh, what I, now that I'm, I'm, I'm with the Blackhawks on the TV side and uh, Troy Murray, my good buddies on the radio side. And I, I said to him somewhere mid-December, I said, uh, I said, Muzz, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to have any more bourbon. I'm going to cut back on the brown stuff. No more bourbons for me. And then sure enough, two days later, I'm, I'm sitting there having an old fashioned. <laughs> so that went by the wayside. Oh, and then I yeah. said, no, you know what? On January 1st, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it out. And uh, I, I don't think I've got the commitment and the discipline and the desire to change much in my life. So, um, yeah. yeah. So why say something when really it's not going to happen anyway? Um, yeah. I'm going to try to take better care of myself. As Lynn tells me all the time, please just, just take care of your body. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Hanger, so there I am again. Bourbon, I'm going to send you some Kawama tequila seltzers. You're going to love those. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? Yeah. Hours, that's a great idea. Fresh juice. We're coming out with a new uh, flavor this spring, which I can't tell you, but I can tell you it's going to be delicious. Mm. Mix it. You, you've got your lake house. You got your yeah. putting green. Yeah, it'll be a perfect thing. Well, I, I kind of agree with wow. you on the New Year's resolutions. I'm not a big New Year's resolution person per se. I don't like write stuff down and say, this is what I need to achieve this year. But I do use it as a reset. And it kind of sounds like, Panger, you were sort of going that way too. Like, yeah. But so New Year's Day, my girlfriends and I and my sister, we all went out for New Year's Eve. And it was a blast. And um, New Year's Day, we're sitting around. And I said, all right, time for dry January. And then we're all like, well, <laughs> we just dry weekend January. We're like, yeah, maybe just one glass a night. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we're pouring mimosas on New Year's Day, watching the Winter Classic and the football games. I'm like, well, maybe dry January will start on the 2nd. But that's another day I have X, Y, Z. So it's just. Oh, that's so funny. But, but my point is, is that I do think that um, it's a great time to reset. Um, there's a lot of things I want to do with yeah. my career, with my life this year. Um, 
you know, even just eating habits and kind of, it, it just makes you yeah. be a little bit more focused at the start of the year to what you're putting in your body, how you're getting your rest, um, maybe meditating or maybe reading a book before you go to bed, something like that, just to help sort of reset your whole body and your mind and your spirit going into the new calendar year. Okay, That's I got. Okay, I'll read this oh, book then. All seasons. I got that for yeah. Christmas. Kenny signed me a copy. My mom, I think, bought fifteen copies. So, <laughs> so I'll read that one, and then I'll That's read next on my list. Oh. I'll read one now. That's next. Let me see which one this one is. I got this Ooh. one. Oh, wow. that you got to let there us know go. what that is. We may have yeah. to do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah, that's There's a lot but, unpacking that panger. I tell you, I tell you what, I, I read for like about, I don't know, eight pages at night. If I read at night, I'm, I'm sleeping yeah. after seven. Like I'm just <laughs> shut down. It's like, oh, no matter I'm, what, right? Yeah, I can't tell crazy. you the last time I read a book. Well, we'll, we'll just get you the audio, the book on audio. Pictures. So. Pictures. Love it. Pictures. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, we're super excited. Um, we're going to have John Anik here on the show, the play-by-play -play voice of UFC. So let's get right to it. The Mirror Story is one of family passion and precision. It's one focused on the power of touch with every iron handcrafted and a belief in meticulous attention to detail. It's one grounded by an unwavering commitment to the pursuit of perfection. I can speak from experience. That buttery feel coming through the golf ball is truly second to none. You can visit mirrorgolf.com to learn the mirror story. Discover the lineup of forged irons and wedges, plus much more. Specifically for our listeners, you can enjoy 15% off your next purchase on the site using the promo code back to you 15 That's back, the number two, U15. Mirrorgolf.com also has a dealer location, so you can find a retailer near you if you're looking to test these irons out or get your hands on in person. Discover perfection with Mirror Golf. Hey, there he is. Hey, John, welcome Hi, in. guys. Can you guys hear me okay? Uh, we can. Look at his fancy setup. Well, he's done this for longer than us, guys. Well, I have to say, and I'm huge fans of all of you, and it's great to be on with you. This is one of the first trial runs for a brand new studio. So if you wow. can hear me, that's a great well, you sign. sound amazing and it looks great. And I love your background and your all your swag and your shirt. Oh, I love the Patrice Bergeron. Oh, there, right? I love your shirt, John. It's Panger here. How are you doing? Great to see you, Panger. I've been a big fan for a while. You're as listenable as anybody out there. Yeah, we had to <laughs> rep Patrice you. Bergeron on this show, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who's, who's in the background there going down? Bang. So, yeah, I feel awful, right? The, the bloody individual over whatever shoulder is Calvin Cater. He's a Boston guy, and I am too, but that sort of is immortalizing one of the best singular UFC performances of all time by Max Holloway. So we had to do it. And then wow. Nate Diaz is over my other shoulder. And, uh, you know, they do say, it may sound trite, but if you enjoy the space that you're in, it can really enhance whatever you're doing. And I can say, as someone who's done a podcast for almost nine years, now having wow. this space for the last few weeks – I enjoy doing the show a little bit more. I got bells and whistles and things that I don't know how to work, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a nice, <laughs> nice space to be in when you do this as much as I do. Yeah, that's awesome. Wait, getting back to your Boston roots, I got to ask you, what, where did you grow up in, uh, in Boston? So I was all over. I lived the first 31 years of my life in Massachusetts, started in Wellesley, then Natick, but I lived in Medway, Brighton, Newton, right. uh, really all over the place. Uh, and I lived there when you were uh, working for Nesson. So uh, I've, Certainly followed your work and been a fan of your work. So a lot that was of just last year, John. I just left Nesson. That was uh, that was just last year, right? <laughs> well, hey, I was doing a little research today, and uh, I only really have two things. Darren Pang, seemingly, if my research is accurate, has a big birthday coming up, and Catherine Tappen 
kind of likes Boston maybe more than a New Jersey slash New York. Else. I, I have to tell you, I, I love New England. I mean, I've, I grew up going up to a summer home in Maine up there for, I lived in Boston for 11 years. Even after I left Nesson, I kept it as my home base. I lived in Charlestown and fun fact for you, John, I, Started boxing in 2014, and I went to Peter Welch's boxing boxing gym in Southie. Wow. I have continued to box ever since. I am, like, totally hooked on it. But my girlfriend took me, and she's like, you got to come boxing with me. And I all I kept thinking of was, like, I don't need my face punched in. And she's like, no, it's not like that. You're not, like, taking right. punches. You're going right. to spar, and you're going to learn. She takes me down the street, you know, down Broadway, and I'm looking around, like, where is this gym? And we walked huh. in. And Peter Welch's boxing gym, you guys, it is as authentic as it gets. You pull into like a beat up old parking lot with a bunch of warehouses around. I mean, I literally had my head on a swivel. Like, are you sure this is where we're going to go? And the greatest guys, like Southie guys, I mean, it's it's a bunch of the Bruins would go and train there. Sean Thornton always went there and trained. Mickey Ward was always there. And it was just awesome. And it smelled and it was grungy. Oh, yeah. and it was awesome. So you can appreciate that as a Boston guy. For sure. And I'm glad that you've stuck with it. You know, I can't say the same about me and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but uh, Peter Welch <laughs> is such a unique individual and there is a softness behind him. But I always say, you know, if I got two or three guys in a back alley with no weapons other than human weapons, I mean, Peter Welch is getting a slot nine or obviously you go way back with him. And uh, he's a hardened individual, an outstanding boxing coach in mind. And uh, he's on the UFC road show, probably much more infrequently than ever before. You see him like once every two years in the corner of an individual. But uh, yeah, what an absolute stud. It's kind of cool that you, you cut your teeth. Yeah. under him. Yeah, that's right. I got hooked. So. You know, KT, when you were describing that, I was thinking of that great show Ray Donovan, and and remember the oh, yeah. remember the hey, remember the he had the the the, the boxing club was Donovan's yeah. boxing club right there. I could kind of visualize that alleyway and the nice stench and the nice smell of <laughs> athletes just pounding it. Oh, that's fantastic. Niner, you don't go near those things. See, you're you're you've got you got your Johnny O's nice flannel on right there. There's no there's no way oh, you could fit you, in Johnny in a place o. like that. This thing huh? is so soft. Woo. Thank you, Johnny O. <laughs> uh, you know, John and I go way back to his first uh, days at the UFC, and uh, what a treat it is to uh, to work with him and, and to just you know all the stuff that he does behind the scenes. John, I got to give you props. You you do your homework. You're diligent. You're you're such uh, an artist at what you do. And I just want to give you those props. Well, thank Niner, you. Buddy. Can you it's explain crazy. to people what you, what you guys do together? Cause I think a lot of our, our audience, they don't quite yeah. know Niner, what you do with the UFC and you and Nordy and the production staff. I don't know. I'll let John go first and then I'll, okay. I'll defer and then I'll go. Yeah, I think he wants, me, <laughs> he wants to lay out and just have me pay him a bunch of compliments right now. So yes. yeah, I mean, he's the greatest to do the job that he, he does, which is to say that he stage manages our UFC broadcast, but he fucking hates that stage manager title. So oh, God, I, I love it. That we're going to use it the whole time, John. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, don't call him a card guy. Don't call him a stage hand. He'll, you know, jump through the screen, but no, he is our long time stage manager for lack of a better title description, but he is my right-hand man on broadcast night. I would yeah. say he's as close to, you know, a spotter as an NFL play-by-play -play guy might have. And he is to my left and he predates me on this UFC broadcast by seven or eight years or so. Uh, so he knows this format as well as anybody. He could probably show up six beers deep and uh, still rifle through it, but he uh, he's not going to do that. He's not a big drinker, incidentally. But no, yeah. Craig Conley is my right-hand man, and uh, I'm thankful for that time we have together. You never know how long he's going to stick around. He's been doing it a long time, but uh, yeah. 
you know, nobody puts me more at ease sitting in that seat to my left uh, than Niners. So, uh, yeah, we've had a kinship for a while. We're, we're both betting on sports every day, so we have a lot of common ground. And uh, he's a good man. I'm glad he's here with you, too. He's, he's, got a great, he's got a great eye, you guys, because that's where we started, too, Niner. I know your hockey background, but you're, you've got an analyst eye. And, John, that's what you're talking about, huh? That the, the, You can trust the fact, and I always felt that way when Niner was in our booth in the old ESPN days with, uh, with Steve Levy or with a Dave Strader or what have you, and that you always felt like you would never miss anything. And, and, you know, that part of our game as a broadcaster, it's kind of missing, Niner. And uh, there's many games where I think back to our time and you're behind and, you, you know, you're on, you're on with the late Bruce Connell and, and bang, we've got everything. There's too many men on the ice. There's this. There's a high stick back there. There's going to be a scrap over here. And, uh, yeah, John, there is a comforting part of that. And uh, I appreciate it. I miss you, Niner. You know what? I'm going to bring you back into our booth. Oh, don't take them away from John. And John, uh, you know, huh. John was lucky enough to work with Bruce Connell as well. You know, Bruce, all those years at the UFC as well. So. Oh, do we have some stories, John? Then, do we have some stories oh, together? Yeah. Oh my we goodness! Do a whole hour on uh, on Bruce Connell, but I will say <laughs> the UFC live telecast, and uh, I honestly wouldn't wish it on Catherine Tappen nor any of my contemporaries. It's an absolute beast. It's eight hours on a headset every time we do it. We do forty-one shows a year. Thankfully, I don't do all forty-one. It sort of evolved uh, or devolved into this, right? Sometimes we have 15 fights a night, three different formats. And having Craig there, obviously, he's just so at ease with all of it because it's second nature to him. But I think only Craig and a few select others could speak to just the monster that is every telecast that we do. Uh, And it's why I don't know how much time I really have doing it, right? It is an absolute monster, and we're very dedicated to it. But uh I don't know. It's like it's hard to show up joyful sometimes for me on fight night because there's just so much on our collective plates when we do one of these things. Like, how do you, John, I mean, the biggest thing for me, people always ask, how do you get ready for an NFL game this day, an NHL game this day? It's all preparation, right? There's a there's a specific way you prepare every single show and you don't deviate from your preparation. So for you, when you're dealing with an eight hour show and you mentioned however many 42, 41 different what is it? I'm, I don't well, know. Live events, 41 live, live events. events. So how do you prepare for that? So, I mean, I would say my anxiety is probably more in the preparation than anything mm-hmm. else, right? If you're talking about 30 athletes on a given Saturday night, and if you're in a back-to-back, you really can't turn the page until Sunday or Monday. And right. we do a lot of voiceovers on the front end, which sort of takes up some time. But yeah, I guess for me, the biggest issue is that a lot of what the fighters say and the currency of what's going on happens within 10 days leading up to the live event. So you can only get so far ahead of it. I have a fighter card library behind me. I handwrite all my own notes, perhaps uh, against my better judgment, but I have about 2000 fighter cards behind me and I'll take out the old card, create a new one for each fighter to try to almost go back to like academia and like handwriting it, which allows me to study it almost like a flashcard a little bit. And that's sort of the jumping off point for my preparation, but it's a lot of writing for television and uh, yeah, it's a fucking beast. Like I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I'm not trying to lose my job either, but it's an absolute beast. It's also a lot of reaction. I, I was told that fight week, John does not leave his hotel room. So uh, that speaks to the, the preparation you're doing with all the cards and writing things down. I'm a big hand writer myself. Cause I feel like if I write it, I will visually retain it better. Um, and I also don't like to rely on electronics when I'm on the sidelines with multiple elements, like weather right. and everything that could right. go down. But So when you're doing that and you're preparing, I mean, how much stuff, if you're on the road, how much stuff do you carry with you from previous broadcasts or, you know, is it, a, is it like a, 
uh, is it a notebook? Is it a backpack full of all these notes that you have from previous um, fights? So in terms of just the fighter preparation, having nothing to do with what that individual pay-per-view might entail, Mm -hmm. I basically have it all alphabetized behind me. So when I sit down and get ready to call UFC 297, I'll go take out those 28 fighter cards. And so things like kids' names, I might not have to ask a fighter again in a fighter meeting. And maybe there's something about a college football career that I want to make sure that I continue to highlight Mm -hmm. that maybe isn't on the UFC-generated fighter bio so you accrue these notes over the years oftentimes maybe too many right then you become sort of selective try to see what actually you're going to use on the broadcast like i used to write down one example i used to always write down how many first round finishes how many stoppage wins in the first round a man or woman ever had and i found myself not using it a bunch so i don't write that anymore if i have to ask the truck after a first round finish i can do that so tried to sort of like you know crunch the process a little bit and refine it uh with every passing show Take me back. That's really to, good. To, it's, it's amazing. So I want I, like, how did you get started in this? I know you started at MMA at ESPN, right? So what made you want to get into this realm of broadcasting and this particular sport? So I actually started on the radio in Boston. I was competing with WEEI. I was at 1510 The Zone, the sporting news radio affiliate. I don't know if you know the name Ryan Rosillo, but he was a guy that I worked with uh, sure. extensively out of the Boston market. And, uh, Yeah, eventually I got to ESPN Radio in Bristol, Connecticut in 2006, and they were auditioning ESPN Radio Sports Center anchors, as we were called, to go over to TV for ESPN Digital Media. So sort of moved over from radio to TV. That was never my intention whatsoever. And uh, during my time with ESPN.com, they were launching a show called MMA Live in 2008. I had hosted the Mouthpiece Boxing Radio Show for years, so... I was one of the few individuals in Bristol, right? Stuart Scott, may he rest in peace, Brian Kenny and me were really the only combat sports guys under that roof. And I obviously paled when it came to resumes and those guys, but neither of them were necessarily going to host a digital property called MMA Live. So I auditioned for that show. 0708 got that show. And then in 2011, when the UFC doubled its schedule from 20 to 40 live events, uh, I was covering a, a UFC pay-per-view for ESPN March of 2011, and I essentially got offered a job backstage, and uh, everything sort of changed that night. And uh, here we are 12 years later. 2011, the year the Bruins won the Game 7 in Vancouver. Big year for you there, big guy. So I actually drove from Bristol, Connecticut to Boston. I paid $750 to go to Game 6, knowing – the Bruins could not win the Stanley cup that night. And that game, if you recall, was over in a few minutes. And then, uh, and then they took care of business in game seven. I still say to this day, Niners sick of me saying it, but, and Panger and Catherine, of course, but that is the hardest pro sports championship to win. And it's not even close, right? The super bowl and the fact that you could win a couple of home games to then play in the championship game, juxtaposed against the Bruins going through 25, UFC fights essentially to get to that game seven against Vancouver. Uh, So proud of that 2011 championship relative to how much talent has been through there since it's a little bit uh, unfortunate. There haven't been more finals appearances, but uh, you know, still optimistic about this year. We'll see. I remember KT, you and I were at NHL network in 13. I'm not going to bring this up because it was a, but that must've just been devastating for you. We, We were in the building and the bang, bang, the Hawks scored late. It was just like, it was a stunning blow, wasn't it? Turnaround. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's as bad a sports memory, I think, as any Bostonian would have. I guess for, I've been softened by my age a little bit. 
in terms of I sit here in South Florida as a fan who grew up hating the Miami Dolphins. And now all of a sudden I have a soft spot for all of these people who are trying to realize something that we as Patriots fans got to enjoy several times over. So, yeah, oh, man, you're, you're sharing would... the good stuff, John. That's well, that's like, some good positive thoughts right there. Well, also, I mean, fuck the Maple Leafs, right? But yet I find myself, <laughs> I love I find it. myself rooting for those people to realize some postseason success, you know, because, uh, you know, they deserve it, right? They put in the time. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's the one thing that is often for me. I mean, the New York Jets and the New York Yankees, I don't know that uh, I could ever get over that hump. But certainly with teams like the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, I'm not over the hump yet. But the the Maple Leafs, teams that I rooted against as a kid, Maple Leafs, Miami Dolphins, I'm good with those franchises now. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Your Dolphins have a big game coming up this weekend. Oh, she just called them my Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, no, I mean, I guess probably in my heart, I'm rooting I against the them, but I can derive some happiness from my babysitter, who's a big Miami Dolphins fan. There you go. Uh, there you go. But no, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I, I, it'd be better if they didn't win the whole thing. Kathy. <laughs> That's exactly. That's Spoken like sure. a true Patriots fan. What are your thoughts on um, what's going on with the Pats and the meeting that's supposedly going to happen between Kraft and Belichick? I mean, what are your, just from a fan perspective and obviously your knowledge of the industry, what do you think is going to happen there? So I've always been a, a huge Bill Belichick guy. I would have a hard time rooting against Bill anywhere he went. Even if it was the Buffalo Bills, I would probably want him to to realize another Super Bowl. The man has lost marriages because he just wants to coach football, and that's where he is at this stage of his life. He just wants to coach defense and coach football. You know they're going to play hard every week. And to sustain a culture and sustain a season like this and still be able to get guys, one through 45 on game day, to run through a brick wall for you, Bill Belichick has my ultimate respect. So whatever note upon which it ends, I don't really care. I just know there's plenty of fight left in that dog as a head football coach. He just shouldn't be buying the groceries. And uh, if this is the jumping off point, then I think that's fine. You know, I do think the, the Patriots are in dire need of a young offensive mind. Well, it doesn't have to be young. You could be an old offensive mind, but a sharp offensive mind. Bill O'Brien can't call offense in 2024. So young offensive mind and somebody else picking the groceries. But I'd like to see Belichick get a chance with one of these franchises that is on the cusp of greatness because uh, I think he could take them over the hump. Yeah. Or do you think it'd be a good landing spot for him? Well, I mean, Sean McDermott's a guy I've defended, but I think Buffalo can do better. I think relative to expectation, they've really underachieved. So I think Buffalo makes a, a lot of sense. You know, there are rumblings. Maybe Nick Sirianni could be fighting for his job in Philadelphia if they have a first round exit. So I'd like to see him go to more of a front running team. I mean, certainly right, right. you could do worse than Justin Herbert and the Chargers, but I don't, I don't need to see him go to the Washington Commanders at this stage of his career. I don't think he would. I don't. I don't yeah. think that would yeah. be. Yeah, it's, if he'll probably go somewhere. If he goes somewhere, it would be to win a championship, win another one. Can you imagine if he went to somewhere else in the division like Buffalo? Oh, wow. After well, I mean, if you're a Jets fan, look what Bill Belichick did to you, you yeah. know, however, yeah. 20 years ago, left you at the True. altar. So, uh, True. yeah. 20 I mean, years ago, man, people yeah, are still talking right. about it. It's crazy. But, yeah, yeah, I just would be excited, I think, as an NFL fan and as a fan of his, right? I mean, watching people discredit his body of work and try to fall on a side of him and Brady has just been nauseating. So I would love to see him go win a chip somewhere else. Hey, John, uh, this is a good segue. We're talking NFL right now. I know you and your twin brother, Jason, have Annex Squared, which is an unbelievable. I love it. Unbelievable. I mean, there are a lot of adjectives for that show. I don't hey. know that it's unbelievable. Hey. It's unbelievable. <laughs> John, you're KT. humble. Hanger KT. Annex Squared is an NFL betting podcast that John and his twin brother, Jason, have. Yeah. They are good. 
they're not just picking teams out of a hat. They give in-depth analysis. They tell why. They've got to get picked. John gets to pick five against the spread. His brother picks five against the spread. They can't have the mm-hmm. same team. And I've been following them for a long time, and they've got some winners. Um, tell us how you guys came about wanting to have this podcast and, and where you're at with it right now. Well, it's a little bit tricky when you are a monozygotic identical twin and you want to do something with your twin in the space because on the audio side, even if my voice has now been damaged with 20 years of shouting and not using my diaphragm the right way, we still sound the same. So there's a little bit of a navigation there, I think, on the audio side, but there's nobody that I would rather sit across from doing a podcast from than him. And I can also talk to him in a way that I wouldn't necessarily talk to other people, right? Even my other siblings. Because of that bond, because he's my best friend. And uh, there happens to be a documentary on Netflix right now. It's like a twin experiment. It's called You Are What You Eat. A twin I, experiment. I just started that last night. Three so yes. when you see these identical twins, you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of sets of true old school, you know, born in the 1970s, monozygotic identical twins that don't like each other. So he's really like a spouse more than anything else. I mean, my true best friend, it's been challenging for our spouses at times. So to be able to do NFL picks for him is against him every week is awesome. It's a little challenging during uh, some UFC pay-per-view weeks to uh, do the requisite preparation. But uh, I will say, and this is not out of humility, Panger, we're having a good season picking games, right? I mean, we always try to do the research, right? But that doesn't mean that you'll be profitable next year. But yes, people have been profitable this year. And I thank you for that, Niner. And uh, yeah, my brother, my twin, grew up uh, the performer in our family. He went to Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida, majored in musical theater. So I was always flying around to watch him perform and watching him like cut weight for roles and grow mustaches when he was like 19 years of age. So it's weird that the shoe is on the other foot. So we've been breaking down that wall over the last couple of years and nice to see him perform it again a little bit. What's he doing wow. now? As a yeah. podcast, what does he like to do? Is he still doing the acting space and singing and no, he been, I mean, he was doing like tap and jazz and saying all that stuff for a while. But no, he went out to L.A. and, and gave it a, a pretty concerted effort and uh, just went into business and was doing other things. And when he got rid of his last business or I guess they sort of folded, if I'm being honest, uh, I gave him a push like I felt like he really should try to pursue a job that would be something that he'd feel fulfilled doing. I mean, he, he ran a check cashing business for 15 years. He could go to a bank and get a job, but I'm hoping that uh, eventually he'll be able to uh, do some of this stuff full time. We'll see. Well, all the stuff you're doing, open up your own bank. (laughs) Well, I wish it was that easy, buddy. You know, what did you think of that being a twin? And what did you think of that special that you are what you eat? So I just started it. So uh, I'm very curious. I have tried to already get on Netflix's radar if there's a season two. I guess I should probably be getting after Stanford University. We're a little offended the call never came in because we would have loved to have been a part of that. Uh, However prohibitive my schedule is. But no, I actually said this week, I feel like maybe this will be something that opens the door for more work to be done cinematically with twins or just in terms of medicine and science. I feel like it's underutilized. I'm sure Niners sick of hearing me and Jay and us talking about it, but it is a very weird thing to have a living, breathing human being that thinks like you talks like you says the same thing at the same time. Joe Rogan, my broadcast partner is always weirded out every time he sees this guy and I don't blame him. Right. If there was another Joe Rogan, every time I show up at the show, it's a weird thing. Uh, and hopefully this is, you know, the beginning of that door being opened up. Identical twins are back in television commercials. Entertainment. Get us a fucking commercial niner. Let's go. Rick, Rick, Rick experiment gum. Here we go. 
Yeah. Could you imagine if, if there was a, a, a identical twin panger and how many holy jumpins we'd have? Oh, my. It'd drive you guys crazy. You should imagine, though, if you did have another human being that, that looked and sounded and thought just like you. It's pretty wild. It's Scotty Hamilton. That's, that's who yeah, it is. That's, right. <laughs> that's your doppelganger. You're a little better looking panger. Can I say that on these airwaves or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't do a triple sow cow and he probably can't do the splits and make a glove save and say, uh, thanks uh, for coming, everybody. There you go. Did you guys growing up, did you ever mess with people like kids in your class? Did you ever, or like girls or were there any funny stories of you guys growing up and pretending like one was the other? Yeah. It was we really, yeah we uh no we really should have probably done more to to optimize things with the opposite sex when we were younger but i don't know that they would have been tricked right like you could trick a teacher and then you find yourself sitting in your twin brother's chemistry class and it's like why are we doing this you know yeah yeah, i don't think tricking women would have been in our future but we could get my mother i mean my mother really sort of had to bear the brunt of it because there was no caller id or so I could call my mom, talk shit about myself, get her to, you know, take the bait and then be like, it's, oh. it's John. Like, you know, so we would mess with my mom a lot. And, uh, you know, oh, your poor her. mother. Oh, but my you know, goodness. I mean, you, you pick on the ones you love the most. My younger brother couldn't take it, Panger. So we picked on my mom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, what other what other sports were, were you uh, interested in when you were younger? So the Bruins were always fourth, you know, increasingly as I got older and smarter, I realized how hard and cool a league that was. But, you know, I can't ice skate. I've never been on snow skis. I was playing basketball, traveling every weekend. So the basketball and hockey thing always, you know, did not align for me. Um, But I grew up a Red Sox fan in Boston, right? So there were summers where I watched 155 games where Nomar Garcia-Para, like I would have married the guy at one point in time. So, you know, I just think I was in my formative years, you know, my mom grew up like John Havlicek, like sitting in the Boston garden Mm. for those games. So I just was born into this. My dad was a long Islander C for New York and uh, you know, had a New York accent, but my mom and her dad and her mom were just rabid Boston sports fans. And uh, you know, I felt like that helped me in life because at 16, I just wanted to work in sports, but I never played American football, but I would say football was really the biggest sport in our family because we were New England Patriots season ticket holders throughout the 70s, 80s, up to 1993 when Bob Kraft bought the team. So I put in more hours in that building, those collective buildings than any other. And, uh, you know, my mother still lives and breathes with every down to this day. So I bet you would be a tough, rugged uh, kick, like a return specialist. Huh? Yeah, no, Full you have and vinegar. Out. Yeah. I mean, I, I was fast, you know, um, but I just wish that, uh, you know, I was brought up a little bit tougher and I'm raising three kids right now. My son is uh grape soft. So we're working on that. But uh, my middle child, she was born in Vegas and she's got some toughness to her. So, uh, but it is interesting when you look back at your own childhood and think, man, my dad should have like, you know, not punched me in the face necessarily, but punched me in the teeth one time, you know, like take me out back and just pepper me with baseballs. So I'm not stepping out of the box, you know, uh, so we'll see if I can impart some of that uh, on my kids. Oh, that's great. Hey, John, recently uh, you took the family down to a uh, Florida Panther game uh, against Vegas, actually. And uh, KT, you mentioned Sean Thornton earlier. He actually hooked everything up. And uh, oh, nice. how did the family like uh, their first ever hockey game live? Well, was it their first? It was their first free one, though, courtesy of Sean Thornton, who is supposed to be. Sean Thornton's always good for that. Yeah. He's supposed to be the first in-studio guest right there. 
uh, oh, nice. in time in the not too distant future, but no, it was great. And as somebody who spends a lot of time in Las Vegas, I do follow the Vegas golden Knights a little bit. I do not root for them in any way, shape or form. If the Bruins are out, I would root for the Florida Panthers a little bit reluctantly, but no, I thought that December 23rd game was pretty telling just the extent to which the Knights were outplayed and outshot and disinterested. And you don't want to read maybe too much into one game. And my daughters always have a great time. And thanks to, you know, Sean for putting us center ice. I always try to buy tickets right on the boards when I'm down here because in Boston, you can't afford to sit right on the boards in sunrise, Florida. You can actually sit right on the boards, but I learned <laughs> a few weeks ago that it is better to be center ice, but I don't know. I came home and bet on the Florida Panthers to win the Eastern conference. And those teams played again last night. And yep. I felt like the Panthers were pretty safe, minus 125. I don't know what's going on with Vegas, but uh, the visuals down here were Well, not they're banged all. up, John. They're banged yeah. up. I just did the Winter Classic, and, I mean, you know, they, they get a lot of offense from their D, and, and, and that part of their game is missing right now. And, and so I think they'll be, they'll be ready to go once it comes down to it and they get those big redwood trees on the, on the back end. But watching Matthew Kachuk again last night and remembering in the final that, I mean, a, a fractured sternum, yeah. You know, kept him out, and he was banged up before that. I think they just expended so much to get there to beat. Obviously, here I go again, but I, I got called in to do that game seven. Uh, Brendan Burke and I on TNT, and we just jumped right into game seven. I was right between the benches, and and I saw a Bruins team that just couldn't, you know, just couldn't get it going. And, uh, and, and then, you know, then you see some momentum going the other way, but uh, I, I like your pick on, on, on Florida. I think they've, they've got a good D that can get around the ice. They've got some good depth on up front as well. Um, that, that's Bob's not a bad Bob's pick coming out of the East. Too. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Bob's exactly Bob's right. Yeah, yeah. I, it seems like public perception is really split on Bobrovsky. I like yeah. it, you know, but I, even exactly. down here, it seems like a lot of people don't. I know he makes a lot of money. He's 30 to one right now to uh, win the Vezina. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess yeah, for me, though, it, you brought it, up it's that hard game, though, John. You brought up that game seven, though. And, you know, my wife is like all about the Panthers, you know, and we talked about doing like a partial season ticket package. And then that game seven and that series happened. And then I was like, I'm never going back to the fucking Panthers den as long as I live. Now, I've been back there since, but <laughs> the nature of that game seven in that series, one versus eight, and the way that Bruins season unceremoniously ended, it really impacted my ability to root for this team living and breathing down here in South Florida. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of wish that it didn't go down that way. You brought it up. You, no, I tell you what, the Florida Panthers, though, and I'm going to get hats off to them. They got... You know, during the final last year, I'm a big golfer, John, and I, I got to play uh, the Grove 23 in Hope Sound a little bit, just north of Jupiter. And uh, I got to see, like, Brooks Kapka bring the Wanamaker Trophy in there one day. And then oh, one, wow. another day, they, they found out the news about Liv while I was there. And I saw, you know, Justin Thomas and, and Brooks was there and Dustin was there and, and uh, who else was there? Ricky Fowler. So all the guys that are members there were all there that day. But I found out afterwards because Gretz is such a good friend of these guys that, uh, you know, like Brooks has got a suite. Dustin Johnson's got a suite. Like you're getting a lot of, I, I know those are just a couple of PGA guys yourself going to games, but they're, they're getting a lot of traction there in sunrise. And so uh, that, that is great news for the NHL when we can see uh, athletes of, of that caliber and, and guys like yourself going to games again. I think that that's wonderful because I was worried that with that building in, in sunrise, you know, and not in Miami. That man, yeah, just a tough location. But yet, yeah. I mean, when the product's good, they're 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 going out there and they're spending some money, you know, on the NHL and on the team. And that's great news, John. 
No, you're right. And the arena is well run. It's a great experience, right? You're not having to deal with Miami. So there's a lot to like about it. And it's a legitimate home ice advantage. It really is. It's a good home crowd. Like I would be looking to bet them at home. And it's part of the reason why I think in totality, I like a wager on them to win the Eastern Conference right now, if not the cup at 15 to one, right? You mentioned Kachuk, right? It's like in a postseason setting, you got a couple dogs like that or just one dog like that. You just never know. So I know it's hard to get back there. I mean, I'm not, I don't have any tickets on them to win the actual cup right now, but um, I think getting back there is not at all out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't be afraid to throw a ticket on that one. And because, yeah. you know, number one, they got that far and they lost. Number two, the fan base there now isn't full of Maple Leaf fans or Montreal Canadian fans or Boston Bruin fans. It is, you're right, a home ice advantage. And I talked to Paul Maurice, the head coach, about that just earlier in the year, and they're feeling it now. And that's 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 great. That's a big building. Like, I don't know what it yeah. seats. Does that seat yeah. 20,000? Yes. That's huge. It seems yep. bigger than that. Huh? It is big. And I will say you can even see the evolution. I haven't been to a Bruins-Panthers game in a while. And I don't say this with any bias, but the last regular season Bruins-Panthers game I went to, you know, those throaty Bostonians were letting those South Floridians have it and letting them know, you know, 40% of the time. So, but I would imagine when you were there and the stakes got raised that uh, those people were uh, were drowned Maybe out there's some bit. naivety too when you're in a pressure situation like Boston, you know, the pressure's on a team like Boston or, or Toronto. All the um, time too. Yeah, like right. all, you know, all the time and, you know, and, and when you lose big games on home ice, then you enter another big moment and it's like, okay, what are we going to get here? Because the fans are a little nervous. Maybe you can feel that nervousness. I could feel that in game seven last year between the benches. I, I just, I just could. It wasn't a rambunctious crowd, but there's naivety maybe in South Florida or it's in sunrise and, and yeah. just full on energy, you know? So, okay. Yeah. What are we going to do if the Arizona coyotes get in the Stanley cup final in 5,000 oh seat Mullet arena? <laughs> Oh, boy. Sell, sell, sell tickets outside with a big viewing board, you know? Well, the good, go. the good news is we won't have to worry about that. But uh, uh, They're a feisty team. They're a feisty team. I wouldn't put money on them, but they they're, they yeah. they play hard. What play would hard. they do? What would they do? What would, there you go. Put them in, put them in the sphere <laughs> in, well, in Vegas. You can't move them from their home base, right? I mean, they win their, they win their games. Right. They get to the Stanley Cup final. Their fans will go – I mean, that – the advantage of being at home is huge, but then they, they don't have, have to lease out. Anymore. They'd have to lease out the, uh, the old arena that they got. Yeah. Or they'd out. have to put up a video screen and maybe the baseball arena or something, or open up the football stadium and bring people to the lower bowl. I don't know. They'd find something to do, but well, hmm. the old arena that they played in is still there. I mean, yeah. Just, Glendale. Yeah. You're right. You know, in Glendale, it's still there. They're doing concerts or what have you there, but you know, after breaking the lease and not paying them on time and right. you know, not so sure yeah. they're going to open their doors or they're going to triple the, the amount of what they were going to charge them. But um, are, is there talks about getting a new arena down in South Florida for the Panthers? I don't know. I don't know. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, I tell you when we go, it's just a great experience. The customer service, the in and out, it's all great. Yeah. That's yeah great. They've done a great job and the concerts there too. Huh, John, they there. Have you been to concert there yet? I haven't, but I know they have a lot of big time acts that roll through there. They could make their money probably. It doesn't matter what they do with the hockey team. I think they make enough revenue. They might yeah. be one of the highest revenue-making arenas for concerts in in all of the U.S., if I'm not I, mistaken. Yeah, I thought there was rumblings about going to, like, closer to Fort Lauderdale or something like that. So I wasn't sure. That's why I asked. Mm-hmm. 
continued. I um I hate to stop the hockey talk here, guys, but I have to ask John's opinion about the national championship because that is where Love I was parked Monday night in front of my television set watching Michigan and Washington. I mean, wh- I, I'm, you're keeping an eye on it. You're keeping an eye on the betting space as well for it. But what are your early thoughts going into Monday night's big matchup? So the last time I did a college football game was 2015 at Husky Stadium. So oh, wow. I have a little bit of a soft spot for Washington, yeah, even sure. though my grandfather did letter in baseball at Michigan. So I'm a little torn, but I, I did oh. bet on Washington already, plus four and a half. I bet on Washington's team total over 24 and a half as this dude drops his head in shame because he doesn't like my selection. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm just excited to see what that Washington offense can do. Yeah, uh, can play the way he did on Monday night, this previous Monday. I mean, I, that's going to be, it's going to be tough. However, the Michigan defense is, I would not mm. put them in the same category as Texas. They are, I think light years better, but, um, but I think it's gonna be a great matchup. And for my yeah, sake, I think it's great. Cause it's, two well, future Big Ten teams, but we're going to see Washington sure. Big Ten next year. Michigan, obviously, already in the big, big Ten, so it's very exciting for all of us that broadcast the Big Ten on a regular basis. But I'm just saying, you know, the quality of those, the college football playoff games on Mon- this previous Monday yeah. was unbelievable. And, you know, you're just seeing that competitive balance. You're, you know, it, it was it was must-see TV. That overtime game for Michigan, unbelievable, you know, and it's it's you're fixated, and that's what you want. Well, and college football needed it right after that bowl season, needed yeah. it in the worst way because it completely flipped the script. Nobody's even talking about what preceded it. So, right. Yeah. And, and I get a kick out of John with a Niner over there who's a Michigan native, as we well know. And I got a lake house in Michigan, but I don't wear everybody's hat every time. He didn't even go to Michigan. <laughs> Niner. Yeah, but I, I mean, it wasn't my fault that they didn't want to recruit me, but I, but I, but. Here we go, John. Here we go. But I can't not root for them. I mean, I am Michigan. You know, you know, my roots go back there. But you'll take the four and a half, though, won't you? Well, let's talk mm-hmm. through this. <laughs> I was shocked that it opened up at four and a half. To be honest with you, I thought yeah. it'd be a smaller number. Michael Penix Jr. is going to get his. He's going to, you know, no doubt, probably throw for three hundred yards plus. He's got the best wide receiving group. Those, those. I mean, he's got the top. I think. I mean, Marvison Harrison Jr. is obviously one A. This guy's one B. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, I like to buy points. I mean, if I can get Michigan down to three, I think I would like it. But four and a half does seem to be a lot. But the, you know, our, our our great producer Cody Merrill just put up sixty one percent of the bets are on the Washington money line. That's mm. shocking. Can you explain that to me? I don't know what that means. Explain that to me. Go ahead, John. I don't even lean into those numbers with respect to Cody, right? 52% of the betting handle, it says here, and 60% of the bets are on Washington right now. You know, I mean, yeah, it just means that uh, a lot of people are liking the value, I guess, on Washington, but 48% of the handle uh, is on the other side. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think. How much will that change, John? It depends. You know, I mean, you're looking for two way action, right? When they set a line, they're looking for two way action to move from four and a half to four. I don't know that it's going to dip to three and a half. I think it'll probably settle at four. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it go back to four and a half. You know, I also have a third ticket. If you really want to know, I play Washington first half plus three, you know, Um, but we'll see. But I'm an underdog player, like historically, like I wouldn't be surprised if my local bookie would manipulate the lines, you know, away from the underdogs, because historically I'm much more inclined to bet on on underdogs than favorites. And, and the way I look at it, 
the way I'm looking at it is at four and a half, I got to believe the general public's going to be all over that, right? So when the general public bets Washington, who does Vegas need to win? They need Michigan. They need mm-hmm. Michigan to cover the spread. Um, you know, taking my heart out of it, do I like Michigan to win that game? I do. I absolutely do. I think you got to go with the better defense, like you mentioned, KT. Um, not that Penix isn't going to get his. And I just got to hope that J.J. McCarthy doesn't make any mistakes. We're not looking for him to be a hero. They got to pound the ball. They got to control the ball because Washington's explosive. They can score at will and they can mm-hmm. score fast. So I think if the Michigan can get the running game going, control, the, ball, control, control the clock and keep Michael Penix Jr. off the field, then, then I'm liking it a little bit better. But if, if Washington is going to be the general public, you know, and, and everybody's all over them, then I do like my Michigan play at that point. And that's my reasoning. I mean, John, I think I gave you, what, five wins last night and you didn't even capitalize on them? But that's okay. Hey, you know, some oh. of us have uh, dependents and we're at soccer practice and we missed the 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern window, you know? At a, yeah. yeah, that's the way, John. Give it to him a little bit. Huh? There's other responsibilities going on. You I know? mean, I did give him Florida Panthers. I gave him three or four hoop winners. And then all of a sudden I hear, oh, soccer practice oh, got in the way. Well, you oh, know, my shit. twin brother. God is damn, he ain't, got a, he, ain't got a, he ain't got a phone to put that in on? I mean, Dude, what the heck? Well, my twin brother and I have five kids combined and we're on a group text with Niner and Jay will sometimes say to me like, man, Niner's all over it all the time. Right. Ready to go. You know, one responses. And it's like, dude, we got a kid on every arm half the time. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I guess, I guess, I, I guess by me living alone, probably you, bothers know, you guys too much. Niner. It's funny. Cause I got, I got John and, and, and KT knows this. I've got five granddaughters. So wow. Well, nine and they're under the age of four, all of them. And so while Niners sending out all these group texts and we've got our back to you podcast going on, I was losing three straight games of pretty, pretty princess. Okay. So, I mean, I roll in it. Next thing you know, I got earrings on. I got the, I got the crown on on and bang little Charlie, my granddaughter that's four goes, Grandpa, I won, and she's got all the pink ones on, and I I'm, I end up being the loser. And so we're just slamming them like Penger. And, are you available Friday yeah. at two p.m.? And there's Niner talking about plus four and a half, and we got this going on. I'm like, I'm playing pretty pretty princess, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> the important things I in life. Love it. You got your you got your priorities straight. We're just darn little, right. We're just the little minions in your life. John and I, I John, I feel you. I'm with you all the way. You know. Even though spoiling a granddaughter is a lot different than, you know, raising your own kids and having to really discipline them. We just give them stuff. Hey, hey, John, I know we don't have much time left with you, but, um, you know, kind of wrap up like we had a huge end of the year UFC. Kind of get us into 2024 and what we what we have on the horizon there, what your schedule might look like. UFC 300 is going to be happening here in the spring. Yeah. Um, take us through a little bit in the, the calendar year. Especially great Canadians, okay, John? Give me the great Canadians that are out there. Uh, our first pay-per-view will be in Toronto. End of this That's month, right. has been waiting for somebody to take the torch and give this MMA craze nation. And I'm telling you, I mean, per capita, no people like mixed martial arts or make more noise for it live than Canadians. But we aren't going there nearly as much as we used to. And George St. Pierre is not walking through that door. The guy is Mike Malott. He's in a showcase fight at UFC 297 in Toronto. Coming up in January, live on pay-per-view against Neil Magny. And I think right now, 
any knowledgeable MMA fan would suggest that he is Canada's best hope for UFC golden glory. So we'll see how he does. But the sport's just blown up even beyond what my dreams could have been, right? I mean, when I was leaving ESPN, I didn't care if the UFC was going to be on the G4 network. And that's what they were talking about at the time, right? It was just like getting on this wagon. And obviously the Fox deal laid the foundation for the ESPN deal and our pay-per-views and our live events are just such a hot commodity these days. So I'm very thankful for all of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of international travel and certainly Niner and I could do without that. Perhaps he leans into it more than I do, but I, if it all went off my schedule, I'd be okay with it. You know, going to Australia multiple times a year, Saudi Arabia this year, uh, Brazil to be sure, Abu Dhabi every year, uh, a hundred nights plus a year on the road, 12 years in is a lot. Um, but, uh, when you have the job you want, uh, you keep doing it. Um, but you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be a huge first quarter for us. Conor McGregor potentially coming back this summer, UFC 300 in April. So, uh, it's a good time to be a UFC fan. We're happy this respite is almost over. And John, give me one reason, you know, if you're not a UFC fan, we have a vast audience of listeners and viewers here. What's one thing to look for when you tune in and you're like, all right, I don't know what I'm watching, but what's one thing that maybe is exciting or something you can kind of hook your eyes on to, to keep an eye on? Well, I love watching fights end by submission, you know, whether it's an arm bar or a leg lock or a rear naked choke, right? Like I think there's such a sophistication to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and there aren't that many men and women who can actually really execute offensive MMA grappling at the highest level. So that's a big thing that got me into the sport. But I'll leave you with this, I guess, on that. I'm at the Panthers Golden Knights game. I'm there with my two daughters and not that they're looking at their phones, but sometimes they're looking at their food or they're looking at whatever the fuck they're looking at, right? But that building was at its climax twice in that game, and it was when the individuals were fighting on the ice. Now, anyone in combat sports will tell you that if Larry Bird and Michael Jordan were playing one-on-one at one end of a playground and me and Niner start boxing and getting in a fight at the other end of the playground, people are going to be watching me and Niner, right? Because it's human beings fighting each other. So it's within our instinct to watch this stuff. And I just couldn't believe at the hockey game, people that got that excited. I wonder if they would buy a UFC ticket, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just think that if you can sort of appreciate the martial arts for what they are and recognize that our sport is superficially violent because of the blood, but it's really not nearly as violent as, uh, as ice hockey or American football or boxing or some of these other sports, hopefully it'll get that American embrace that we have in places like Canada and everywhere else. Cause we're still not at that level in the U S that we're at in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, we're just not. But to your point with American football and the reason why it's so popular, I believe in the United States and has always been, um, it's that gladiator mindset, right? You're watching guys go into the ring to compete um, and you're cheering for one or the other. And it's the same thing with UFC. It's like, it's a gladiator. It is, it, it is the epitome of, you know, fight or flight. And it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. It's entertaining. And to your point, you've got, you know, multiple matches you can watch on any given night and, and fights and, and cards and everything like that. So it's a, it's a fun sport to get in, into and to, and we're excited. We were able to have you on here. I know you're a super yeah. fan and um, we love chatting all sports with you and betting and everything. And hopefully we can get you on here again sometime soon, John. Anytime. I appreciate all of you guys and I've admired all of your work except for Niners from afar <laughs> for years. So it's very listen, cool for me uh, as a longtime Bruins fan and new England sports network fan to be able to chop Thanks. it up with you. Folks. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Say well, right back at you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you for the, thank you for the compliment, John. Next time yeah. I go to take care of your 120 cards for you. And let me see what I can do. Oh, here we go. Turn them upside uh-huh. down. 
Uh, hey, I mean, if people are still listening at this stage of the show, all the compliments for this individual were way back like 40 yeah. minutes ago. So not complimenting him again. You know, John, and I'll, I'll just say thank you, too. I, I love your energy and your enthusiasm. And when you start talking about your sport, and your, it's it's really contagious. And I remember when you started in Bristol, Connecticut and going around all the studios and and I admire the fact that you started this out wh- where you did and where you've, bec- you know, where you've come to from there that you put the work in and hard work and and you still have the energy after that much travel, listening to you now, I, I thought I had a busy schedule and listening to you now and the work that you've got to put into um, the, the live events is uh, it's good for the young broadcasters out there to know that it takes some grinding and some work and some passion and uh, sure. it just doesn't come easy. You weren't anointed in this business. So congratulations and a pleasure of being, having you on the show and, and seeing you because uh, I look forward to meet, like meeting you firsthand and, and seeing you and we'll get together sometime. Thank you, man. That truly means the world to me. It really does. Thank you for saying that. I do hope to get to shake your hand at some point in time. And uh, I would hope to Australia. The Back to You show is coming to Australia. (laughs) If you want to use my UFC tickets in Australia, Catherine Tappen, you let me know. But seriously, if you guys see a UFC live event, I think you'll get the bug the way like my wife now is just like all about the Panthers. You know, she saw one game live. And I think for a lot of people, you see the NHL live, you see the UFC live, and uh, you get hooked forever. So we got to get you to to uh, a UFC live. Maybe Niner has some fucking pull after a quarter century sitting on There you go, Niner. Out of boy, Niner. You're barking on the tree with that one, let me tell you. Ha. Niner, this this is John, right? It's not Jason the whole time. He hasn't pulled our leg. Yeah, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> got the same haircut as you, Panger. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. J- Jason, John, thanks so Jason's much. He's got a ton of hair. Oh, yeah, he does. Thank you, guys. All right. See you Thank soon, you. John. Thanks so much. Thanks, See ya. Johnny. See you, buddy. Thanks, John. Happy New Year. <laughs> That's great. I love it. So much energy. I mean, you can see why that he's so successful with, you know, the Anik and Florian podcast and, and what he's got going with his brother, Jason. And it's just uh, and obviously on television, we've all seen him on TV. So pretty, pretty fun. That was a fun episode. Yeah, it's- yeah that was really great. And Niner, great work. I know we you, we we kind of toying with you a little bit, but you do oh, great man. work there. And you know that. And uh, obviously he appreciates all the work that you you do there behind the scenes. Yeah. Listen, you guys are in the, you guys are great at what you do. You've been doing it for so long. I've seen both of you guys prepare firsthand and John puts as much preparation into anybody that I've seen to make it seamless the way he's on camera, the way he's doing his show open and not to mention, I mean, all week long, it's, it's, you know, weigh in shows, it's press conferences, it's the actual show. Then he does the the post show for ESPN for another hour after Mm -hmm. calling eight hours of fights. That's why he was drinking tea the whole time there. Yeah. I mean, listen, throat coat probably. He's telling me every two seconds, hey, get me another hot tea, you know, and I'll, you know, text the runner or what have you. But, um, you know, he, yeah. he hand types all his cards out. When I, I wasn't lying when I said there's about 120, 125 cards. It's everything that we're doing throughout a show. I mean, uh-huh. like we said, there's eight hours worth. There's sponsorship reads. There's this, he should have that. this old system that I used to use. Remember that one? Yeah. He, yes. He uses, right? uh, he uses like the, the scan the, card, like the five by seven index cards. Yeah. He used yeah. those for his fighter bios. And, uh, did, you know, did he take over for, for Goldie? Mike, he did. Mike Goldberg. Yep. He did. He did. Right. Yep. Mike Goldberg. Uh, yeah. Yep. Mike Goldberg was my play by play guy with the UIC flames. Mm-hmm. I had Randy Hahn there as well. And then he went on to the, uh, ESPN, then the red wings, then the Minnesota wild, then to UFC. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so John took over. Yeah. That's, that, that's my energy about, stuff. 
I think, you know, bringing the whole show together today was that Panger started off showing the book from Kenny Albert, his new book, A Mic for, for All Seasons, which is, yeah. um, if anybody knows Kenny, and we all work with Kenny many, many times, I mean, how that man is able to keep his schedule in check, and he is so prepared for every single sport that he covers. But then to see what, what we all do for a living, and obviously, you know, I'm doing multiple sports, Panger is knee-deep in many games a week and then talk to John. It's the same thing. And it's the same thing you always want to tell everybody is that it's, you don't just pop on camera. You might see me for 90 seconds in a football game. You have no idea the work it took to get to those 90 seconds or exactly. what, for Panger to call a hockey game for John to call all those fights. Um, it really is. It speaks to, to get to that high level and to get to the level to be respected and to be appreciated, you have to put the work in. And, yeah. um, you know, hearing that from John and it, it seems to be uh, it's refreshing to hear it from mm. the veterans in the industry because that is what is required to be great. Yeah. And, yeah. and the other thing I try to tell people is watch, watch what you do. Watch mm -hmm. your games. You know, like uh, oh God, I'm not. Oh, I hate. I do every. I, I, I do every time, but it's the worst. I'm like, oh, you look. Uh, uh, you blinked like three times during that shot. And yeah. You said this, and you could have said that. I'm like the worst critic. It's, but it's true, though. Like, it, don't be afraid to watch it. It's probably not as bad as you think it is. It's probably not as great as you thought it was when you did the show. But just watch it and and analyze it. And and uh, I like to I like to watch my games KT and Niner uh, after the game. I yeah. I, I like to go back home. Um, I, yeah, I do. I just like to go through my mind again and I, I just sit back there, maybe have a little bite to eat and maybe have a little cocktail and just kind of watch it, take notes again. And then now it's in there and it's ingrained and now you can go back to it and say, okay, I don't need to waste energy on, on that. That's, that's a, that was dumb. Why would I even go there and, you know, put yeah, yourself yeah. in trouble, even open up a can of worms that you didn't have to open up. So, but, uh, but yeah, well, to watch well, the well. effort and the energy, I mean, John's clearly, I mean, he's a high octane guy. It yeah. seems like, I mean, you Niner, you're with him all the time. He yeah. is, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? And that's what makes it contagious. He brings the yeah, energy exactly. to the whole broadcast booth, and that goes for yeah. his partners. It goes for yeah. our audio guy, our camera guy. He brings it, and that's why everybody gravitates towards John mm -hmm. and, and you guys as well. I mean, listen, I've been around uh, you two a long time, but also, you know, a sports personality, commentator, play-by-play, -play, analyst, whatever it is. People gravitate because of the energy that you guys bring, the homework that you guys do, and what you bring to the couch and what people are watching from their living rooms. And the enthusiasm and, and listen, we cover, yes. you know? Yeah, you see exactly. Yeah. It's like it's pure. You really, truly care about what you're talking about. And, um, Peng, I got to read this quote because I read it in an article in the Sports Business Journal that uh, when they profiled Gary Bettman last year and all the work he's done and, and um, you know, the longest standing commissioner of any pro sport ever – and just, you know, the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs he went through throughout his career. And it goes back to something you're saying, Panger, and I wrote this down, but he said, you are never as good as people say you are, and you are never as bad. Think about what's important to you and what your values are, and then live your life consistently, even when people are coming at you from all sides. I agree. Going back to what you were saying about watching yourself, you're, you're not, it's never as good as you thought it was. It's never as bad as you thought it was. But at the end of the day, be consistent right. and, and the rest will fall into place. So I love that quote yeah. from Gary. I, I really, really appreciated it when I read it for the first time. Yeah, I, I do as well. And I remember going through a tough series. A tough series is when, when you, you know, you, everybody knows that you work for a team. So I was with the Blues broadcast at the time. And then I was with TNT for a very, very, uh, angry, animosity-filled, um, history-laden series between the Blues and, and Colorado. And you remember that Nazem Kadri and, and uh, yep. uh, he had an issue the year before. And, 
and uh, with uh, Justin Falk knocked him out. Um, and then he has this situation um, uh, kind of fallen into to Binnington and what have you. And I remember after that game, I was Shane Knighty was our, our other analyst with us. And, and I, it was hard. It's, those are hard games too. It's all fun and fun and games until right. something like that happens. And I thought we called a heck of a series. And, but after that, I, you know, I, 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 not, not that I compare myself to, to anybody else or what Gary Bettman went through, but, or has gone through, but I watched that afterwards. I watched every game. I, I poured through it afterwards. I don't think I put in the work to say to myself after to sleep good at night saying we did a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, whatever anybody's saying, whatever that noise is around you, you've got to just go to sleep at night going, you know what? We, we called the heck of a game. Now it would be different if I made, or if, and yeah, we don't always make the right calls. I, I know that. But boy, uh, you got to go through it. And you got to grind through it, and so yeah. we we've certainly done that. The same thing that Johnny O does, and I'm going to segue because you've got your nice Johnny O leisure stuff right there, big guy. I've got a lot of Johnny O leisure stuff. It's everybody thinks I've always got just the quarter zips, you know, for because it's always just golf for me, and yeah. I've got the Johnny O's. But uh, I know that we should remind our listeners and our viewers that you go to the back to you back with the two and the U. Um, J A N is that right? Niner back yep. to you, Jan, and you get 15% off your first order of, uh, of Johnny O's and we got your favorite teams as well. KT. Yes, I do. You can go to you know, NHL. They've got actually NHL licensed products as well. And every time I see that, because we do that, a small edit during our NBC sports Chicago. Um, and I'm, I'm like, that is some good stuff right there. So you got, Probably some Michigan stuff you can wear there, Niner. We got 15% off at Johnny O's. We love our friends at Johnny O's. We appreciate them supporting Mm -hmm. the show. Yeah, absolutely. Niner looks. You can look just like Niner. (laughs) I'm looking good in this. I tell you what, it's the softest flannel. Oh, isn't that sweet? I just want to snuggle with you, Niner. You fall asleep on this flannel. Johnny.o.com. Johnny.o.com. Attaboy, Johnny. Good stuff. Go. Well, yeah. guys, episode 11 in the books. It's been fun. Uh, really energized for the new uh, the new calendar year with you two. And and uh, great to kick it off in 2024 with John Anik, our buddy, uh, play-by-play for the UFC. He was awesome. Fun to have on the show. So good to see you guys. Until yeah, happy new year. No resolutions, KT. You you've got a this is a great hair day for you, kid. Hey, great hair day. I chopped it for the new year. I toned it down a little bit with the color tone. I really yeah. wanted I really wanted a very dramatic, like dark to here and blonde blonde hair in my hairstyle. So I was no. like, um, That's, you're no. gonna fall out. I was like, okay, we won't do that. Yeah. But but thanks. <laughs> yep. A little long bob going. So appreciate great you stuff. Yeah, and and KT, you had a great season too of college. Hair. <laughs> Great season of college football too, Thank KT. You. And Thank you. Uh, we'll we have like- a card game coming up next week on NBC next yep. uh, Saturday. So we'll know as of uh, Sunday night where we're headed. So awesome. um, I'm hoping for someplace warm, but it's okay. And we'll go wherever, <laughs> we'll go wherever they need us. So I'm excited about that. Lots of new yeah. things coming in 2024, which um, we'll be able to share as we continue to move on here. So as our good friend, uh, Dave Strader, uh, mm-hmm. once said, uh, there's actually stole it from me, but there's no I in team, but there's two I's an invoice so go get them kt i love it (laughs) i love it all right guys happy new year happy Happy new year to you guys thank you so much